WKNC Raleigh, this is DJ DiGiorno, and I'm here joined live with Matthew E. White. Uh, he's playing a show tonight with Ivan Howard at King's Barcade uh, in downtown Raleigh. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's Thank great. You. And, uh, you just got in from Wilmington, played a show last night. How was that? Yeah, well, we played a show with, with Ivan. Um, the My band is sort of part of a bigger thing called Space Bomb Records, and uh, we just put out Ivan's 7-inch. And so the guys that make up my band are... are uh, and, and myself back back him as well so in wilmington it was a show with with him and it was a lot of fun so sort of the first headlining show we'd done with him so that was killer oh yeah well that's awesome um so you've had kind of a busy year you've been touring a lot um you released a, a new ep uh outer face ep um mm-hmm. so how, how has that been for you well, it's been great you know i mean it's been i released the record I released beginner last august august 2012 and um with with uh not so many expectations, just trying to get some music out there into the world and to show what, you know, I, I, I was like and what Space Bomb could do. And it sort of took on a life of its own. And these guys that I'm with and I've been traveling around the world for a year and a half and um, been all kinds of places. And uh, it's been a really special time, you know. Um, I think you only get a, there's, you know, sort of the, your first time doing that kind of thing is, is really special. So it's, you learn a lot and about yourself and about the music and get to meet a lot of people so it's been fantastic yeah yeah because you started space bomb as like a kind of recording production type thing right and mm-hmm. then your your solo stuff just kind of took off from there i mean it's been making the rounds and everyone seemed to love the album yeah yeah you know space bomb was sort of yeah it was was it's a you know a bigger thing than my record i say it all the time that my record has my name on the front of it but it's much bigger than that it's about a community of musicians in richmond that have, have committed to making music together um in lots of different ways and my record is just the, sort of the first thing um and ivan's is the second you know so mm-hmm. um it's been interesting to see you know as something that was sort of started uh you know in one way it sort of took on my records like i said sort of took on a life of its own outside of what was originally kind of thought or you know just what we expected so you know just about being flexible and obviously opportunities that i'm incredibly thankful for um this past year and then going forward too, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this and excited to make a second record. That wasn't something that was, I guess, guaranteed, you know, you, mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it like that, but you know, even getting a chance to make outer face and then what comes ahead, you know, I think I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely look forward to hearing that. We, we love the album. So, um, but yeah, so space bomb, um, how, how did that really come about? Like what, what made you drive, uh, what was drove you to start that? Yeah, well, you know, it started, I've been making music in, in Richmond for about 10 years. I went to VCU um, as a music major and, and began organizing the community and, and sort of uh, promoting different kind of musical events and uh, just getting involved in different ways. And I started a band called Fight the Big Bull, which was sort of an eight-piece eight, eight piece jazz band, uh, avant-garde, kind of far-out, psychedelic Americana jazz band. And we ended up getting a lot of work that was sort of outside what was intended for the band. A lot of like, I would get like horn arra- asked to do horn arrangements kind of stuff. And we ended up doing, um, I think one of the biggest things we did was actually down here, um, in Durham, a project called sounds of the South with Justin Vernon and megaphone. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I guess I began to see the potential in, in the musicality of our community and, and how quickly you can get things done and how special the group of people is. And, and that it extended beyond just the guys in Fight the Big Bull, that there's a lot of great musicians in Richmond and that with a little bit of organization and, and energy and uh, uh, 
just a, you know excitement and sort of a, that kind of attitude we could do some special things and all of us you know myself included have a lot of things we want to do musically not only you know be the face on the front of the record and the singer and songwriter that kind of stuff but an arranger and a producer and and our guy and sort of a creative director and there there's I think there's a lot of hats that I like wearing and so do the other guys that are involved in Space Bomb and, and starting a record label or um, it, kind of as an umbrella to allow us to do a lot of those kind of things, you know, and to really focus our energies on one thing and one thing that we all believe in and one thing that we're committed to and um, one thing that sort of empowers our community and enables us to make music that's different than anywhere else because the people that are in Richmond are different than anywhere else. And, and so the, I just have been lucky enough to sort of find myself in a unique place at a unique time in, in, in history, really. And I, I, I do view it like that. And um, it just took a little bit of organizing to, to to make something. And, you know, and I think Beginner, the success of Beginner has only uh, empowered us or like uh, allowed, allowed us to believe in our vision a little bit more because it's sort of, it's a very ambitious thing to say, oh, we're going to, start a label with a house band model and bring in singers and make records for them or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, you're presuming a lot about what you can do and what your talents are and, and how you can succeed. But um, with how beginner kind of went down, I think it really allowed us to really believe that, you know, we, we have a lot to say. And so we're just sort of looking forward to getting more stuff out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that being said, um, what what are kind of your future plans? Uh, what, what what lies ahead for uh, Space Bomb? Well, we you know we just released this thing with Ivan, uh, seven inch with Ivan, couple songs, and um, uh, so that was sort of the second thing we did, and then we'll have a full length coming out uh, in in the spring of Joe Westerlin, uh, his project named Grandma Sparrow, and that's a uh, sort of a psychedelic dark comedy children's record that he made. That's this most exciting and strangest music I might have ever heard, definitely been a part of making. And that he's a was a drummer megaphone. I don't know if I just said that. But um so he sort of has some ties to here in the triangle area as well. And um and then there's a girl named Natalie Prass, who's a singer a wonderful singer songwriter from Nashville, who we have a record coming out with later in the summer. So <clears throat> there's a few things we kinda have on the table and we, we tried to make use of the time off between the time we recorded beginner and the time it came out to to record things and um you know be able to keep it going a little bit because it's it's a lot of you know we're all we're all involved all the time so it's a certainly a heavy workload yeah yeah i mean you've been like crazy busy i've been looking back through your past touring schedule <laughs> and it, it looks like you've been to europe like almost every other month kind of yeah i've been to europe six times since january so it is almost every other month actually um yeah it's been uh it's been crazy over there you know domino released the record i released it um, uh, Space Bomb released it with a, a another small record label named Home Tapes. Uh, local, I mean, in in the U.S. in August, mm-hmm. and and uh, we did the best we could with it. Um, and then Domino released it in the U.K. and they have a bigger, much bigger engine behind what they do, and and it took off in a really special way over there. And it's been, you know, for someone who never, you know, I haven't been over to Europe to play music. I think that as a musician, when you're growing up, that's sort of like a I don't know, something you always dream about or like yeah. think of as sort of like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to go overseas and play or something and just kind of have that opportunity come up over and over and over and over again um, and have people all over the world really respond to some music that you sort of made out of the way in your attic, you know, like 
is a really it's really surreal um to be perfectly honest like it's you know every time i play even here it's like a, but definitely when you're in copenhagen or something like that and there's yeah you know two thousand people there or something it's just like how how do you guys why are you here you know yeah. like how do you know yeah. about this stuff you know so um that's exciting and that doesn't get old you know it's special every time yeah i mean i can't even imagine that i mean the most of them don't even speak the same language, but just the fact that they are listening to your music yeah. and can respond to that is, is amazing. Um, so, I mean, do you have like a particular memory that stuck out to you in Europe? Did you have some time off to go places or? Um, not so much. No. We had, I mean, there's a lot. Um, we got to go some places. We I spent some time in Paris, uh, in Barcelona, just kind of kicking around a little bit. Um, saw this, some of the things there that are really special. We, as a band, we went to Stonehenge together. That was that was kind of fun, and there ends up being a lot of um, ferry rides, kind of like to Ireland and then up into Scandinavia and stuff like that. And that's that's you know in the states we don't do that at mm-hmm. all, pretty much. That doesn't exist. So um, that's really fun, just to be on a boat for a day with your band and just kind of hanging out. I don't know. It's just a lot yeah. of down, a lot of I don't know. It's not really downtime, but a lot of time to look out the van window and wonder how you got there you know so that's that's sort of an experience you have with with the guys you're traveling with that you never really forget mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you also played several festivals uh <laughs> this past year like bonnaroo um into the great wide open uh so what was that like was it your first like festival type experience yeah for sure um i never played anything like that the first festival we played actually was um glassenberry which is like the biggest festival in the world and yeah and uh we got to see the Rolling Stones the night before and then had our set the next day. And, um, you know, that stuff is crazy. You know, like the, the, it's just an opportunity to get in front of a lot of people and share your music and definitely a different vibe from playing a club or something like that. It's a different kind of experience for the fan or the audience and fans. And it's a, you know, same thing for us, you know, you don't get the same type of preparation or anything like that, but, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, Glastonbury was great. Ross Gilda in Denmark was maybe the best one. That was a really, really was another really, really, really big one. And um, it was good. Yeah, that stuff is fun. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And uh, I know, uh, I guess last year it was you played Hopscotch and mm-hmm. did kind of a really special set there. Um, I remember getting a, handed a program when I walked in. And I was like, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be good." <laughs> yeah, that was um, that's a special memory. Uh, the funny thing about that show is. We were actually just talking about that the other night because I think for all of us, even though we've played, you know, 120 shows this year, that one really still stands out as probably the most special one. Um, But it was our third show. It was the third show that the band had played together. It was the third show that I had done as like a lead singer and like a front man. And like that seems kind of funny now, but because I've done it a lot um, in terms of this year, but. I I never really like sung into a microphone like leading a band or anything like that or like been that that guy and had that responsibility and hopscotch <laughs> it's just crazy to think about that being really the just the third time that we had done it and the third time that the band had played a show together it was so ambitious I guess for listeners that don't know it was we got pretty much everyone who played on the record so it was 30 plus people eight string players eight horn players um uh eight singers and then the the rhythm section in the band and you know 
wrote out all the music and got it organized and did some big rehearsals and it was just um really cool the other th- other cool thing about that is grayson um grayson kern who leads that um you know he was like a, such an early adopter to the record when when we did that show we were sort of billed as like a headliner mm-hmm. but the record had come out the week before and no one knew who i was like you know i was basically a nobody and for grayson to take the the risk to, to put on a show like that that's so big and so ambitious is a really um that's something from unless you're behind the scenes it's hard to know how big of a risk that is because when you're when you're curating a festival like that so there's a lot of credit that and just thankfulness for me that sort of extends to Grayson and the Hopscotch community for being so um, bold and trusting uh, with their sort of curatorial choices because mm-hmm. that was a, a big moment for me and a, a you know the most exciting show that I've played maybe so far so it's hard to top that yeah yeah I mean that, that was my first introduction to you at that show and I was I was blown away um, so how did that come about was that something that Grayson had approached you about or yeah well, we sent we sent Grayson the I just sent Grayson the record as you know I know him through some of the megaphone guys and just through some relationships down here in the past and um, I just sent him the record because he's a great listener and obviously sort of you know a writer and sort of connected and and immediately I think I think we sent him the record in January and I think like within a week we had booked hopscotch like you know he just emailed back immediately and wow. was like this is incredible um i'd like for you to headline hopscotch this year could you do this whole show could you could you bring everything down that was sort of part of the thing like could you do the whole record like with everybody i was like yeah i think i could make it happen and um the the benefit of the triangle area is it's only you know half a day's drive from where we all live in richmond so there is the ability to be a lot more mobile with our community you know so that was that was special yeah yeah well it was definitely um a great time um so why don't we go ahead and play a track off that album uh this is gone away off big enter came out last year uh do you want to talk about it a little bit yeah um gone away was a a song that i wrote um i actually had a niece that that died in a car accident and um i wrote it the night that she died and uh it's also sort of has, there's a Washington Phillips song called What Are They Doing in Heaven Today? And that's, uh, uh, some of the lyrics from that are, are sort of interspersed within um, the first part of the song and then the last part of the song. The chorus from that song is kind of repeated over and over again. So there's sort of a, technically it's called an interpolation, but uh, there's a relationship between Washington Phillips' really, really wonderful folk song, What Are They Doing in Heaven Today? If you haven't heard that you should listen to that because it's really wonderful and then and then this one um so all right all right well here it is gone away off big inner and uh when we come back we're going to be talking a little bit more about um his record and his process behind it so keep it tuned did you ever wonder where the night spends all its days relaxing in the shadow baby stretched out in the haze or does it travel to the void not trying to make a fuss, Lord. We can take our time. Not trying to make you rush, Lord. We can take our time. Such a world to be walking in. Never making up my own lines. 
WKNC Raleigh, this is DJ DiGiorno, and uh, that was Gone Away by Matthew E. White off of Big Inner. And I'm joined here live in the studio uh, with Matthew, and uh, he's playing tonight at King's Barcade with Howard Ivan of the Rosebuds. Uh, it's going to be a great show. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit um, about uh, your album that came out last year, uh, Big Inner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've talked about Space Bomb and kind of how that came about, um, but what what made you decide to kind of do a, a solo effort and kind of be the lead man of this? Well, I think in a lot of ways it was incredibly pragmatic because when Space Bomb started, the, it's such an ambitious idea that we didn't really want to bring in someone else and sort of have the recording session and the whole process sort of fall on someone else's head if it didn't work. Um, so since I was sort of starting the label and as, you know, had a lot of creative ideas and a lot of production ideas and you know that's why i was doing it um i had a lot of ideas for making a record and it was sort of a natural jump to well matt why don't you go first because if we need to figure out how this process works like is it going to work um how we think so you know i wrote the seven songs for beginner it was i hadn't written songs in 10 years um not really since high school or the songs for beginner and it worked on the arrangements and just kind of went in the studio and and did it and we worked our butt off on it but it was not it was meant to be more originally of sort of a statement of what space farm could do and and what you know kind of what my kind of goals were and sort of the way we were headed um and then you know it's funny you know like i said you know it kind of taken on life of its own i really mean that like it was supposed to be like press a couple hundred copies and give to friends and then we started sending it around and it got incredible response in terms of people's interest um just people inside the industry and and you know kind of influencers here and there and so it kind of turned into a solo career you know like when I first had the record I didn't have a name for the record I didn't know what kind of artist name I was going to go by or anything like that it was just like recording music for fun mm-hmm. sort of and then it kind of had to do a lot of that after the fact so it's funny it went it went backwards instead of having being a singer with songs and and going you know to, to making a record to finding a label it was like i started a label we needed to make a record i wrote some songs and then i had to sing on it and which is totally backwards order for yeah me. yeah it's How definitely a little a little backwards but i mean it ended up working out and it's it's a great product. Yeah, well, it makes it conceptually really strong. Like it, the it, it's a good base for for what you're doing because it's everything's tied together so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So why, why don't you talk about the writing process just a little bit? Um. Was it kind of mainly something that you did a chunk of the writing on your own and then brought it to the to the space bomb to record it? Or yeah. Well, me and um. I was I used to be in a band called the Great White Jenkins, and the, my friend Andy Andy Jenkins, the Jenkins part of it. Uh, we grew up together, went to high school together and, um, that band had sort of taken some time off because he was living in Japan. But, um, I, I write most of the songs on my own and then Andy and I kind of work together to finish them off or I sort of, I get, you know, we, we co-wrote a lot of those or he's sort of my writing partner. He was in the great white Jenkins and that, even though that band doesn't exist anymore, that whole like mind unit sort of has shifted and um so so I, I start a lot of them off and you know words melodies chords that kind of thing and general production ideas and then andy and i work on them and then i take 
take those songs to Pinson and Cameron, who are the drummer and the bass player in the Space Bomb house band. And we spent a lot of time working on rhythm section arrangements, basically. And what is the drum and bass going to do? Figure that out, make demos of that, um, and then send that to the arrangers. Uh, I do the horn arrangements. Trey, who's also part of the Space Bomb team, does the string arrangements. And for beginner, Phil Cook from Megaphone, um, also lives here in the Triangle, um, did the vocal arrangements. And mm-hmm. so just send those demos out to everybody. Everyone writes the arrangements based on the demos. You go into the recording session. You put the drum bass tracks like you rehearsed them. Um, put a little bit of percussion, a little bit of guitar. Leave a lot of room because you know there's going to be a lot of big arrangements. And then you have a day where you record your strings, a day where you record your horns, a day where you record your vocals. Um, and then you, uh, they were record the choir, not the lead vocals. And then, um, Phil came in and played a little bit of piano. Um, and then I did the lead vocals in a, in a very short amount of time, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, you know, and then you're done. You fix, try to fix things you messed up on. And, but, you know, beginner was recorded in seven days. It, it's really short, just kind of like bam, 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 bam. Um, so, I mean, that's a it's a very accurate example of the writing process, although it's a little bit unromantic the way I just described it. Yeah, yeah you made it sound so easy. That was like a little step-by-step process, crash course on how to write an album there. Um, so I, I want to ask you, how do, how do you decide on like your lyrical content for your songs? Because you have like a lot of imagery to like religious ideals and things like that. Um, so how, do, how does that come about? Uh, well, I think so. I mean, the religious stuff, I think kind of just comes from, I grew up in a very uh, Christian home, uh, spent some of my time overseas. My parents were missionaries and, um, you know, there's just biblical imagery or religious imagery that just kind of comes up because it's a language I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. I think you see that in a lot of, a lot of writers, certainly using religious imagery isn't anything unique. Um, and so, you know, that, that's just, you know, you're always writing from the sort of collage of events that make up your past, you know, and, and so for me, part of that is being from a, being from a home like that. So there's a language and a subject matter that I'm pretty familiar with. Just, I just mean practically in terms of my vocabulary and like mm-hmm. the kind of poetry that I was around growing up, you know? Um, so there's that. And then, I don't know, you know, you're, you're just, writing from your personal experiences and sometimes that's exaggerated so much that it's really no longer your personal experience but there was a seed there sometimes it is very incredibly personal and um you know i'm writing with andy too so andy is bringing some some of his language to the table and um in this record there's a there's a a few sort of like they're not samples in a legal way but in, in the terms of sort of using um other people's lyrics to kind of shout out to them. So in Will You Love Me, there's a course Will You Love Me sort of begins with a famous couplet that Jimmy Cliff sang in Rennie Rivers to Cross. And like I was, that's a very famous reggae tune that you know, a lot of you guys may know. But, um, and then in Will You, I mean, and Gone Away, like I said, there's a sort of Washington Phillips thing. And then um, on Brazos, the ending of Brazos, which has gotten a lot of, I end up talking about every interview because it's, comes across as very religious there's a there's a ending of the record is a sort of a five minute chant i guess of jesus christ is our lord jesus christ is your friend and that's a 
from a Brazilian song and a Brazilian writer named Jorge Ben, um, who's a, a famous Tropicalia artist um, in the 70s in Brazil. And that's sort of an, an homage to him and his music, although um, he's often not heard like that. But, uh, you know, so that it's sort of a, it's sort of a, you know, that's the great thing about writing songs for me is it's not, there's not a, there's not like a, uh, a way to do it right. You know, you just, you sit down with a blank piece of paper and you have to come up with something that works. And, you know, sometimes you use rules or you use, obviously you're trying, shooting for something, but there's no, you can't codify it. And I think that's what, to me, that's what makes music so special is, um, you can't codify how to make something turn, make it magical. Like well, that's why we all listen to music. That's why we all love it is because it, it's like a magic trick. You don't know why it makes you, why that happens or why it makes you feel a certain way. But it, but for all of us that, that love it so much and spend so much time listening to it, there's an element of, of the music that we love. that just as, um, sort of incomparable to anything else that we experience in life. And, and there's no, um, there's no way to get to that. It's just about working, working as hard as you can and, and being as honest with yourself as you can and trying to be as, as much of a, uh, you being as courageous and as imaginative as you can and, and trying to get to the heart of what it is that, that you are. And I think when you can get to that and when you can be really honest, um, and also sort of marry that honesty with honest lyrically, but also honest musically and when you can marry that with craftsmanship with being able to play well being able to write well and being able to organize well then then you have a chance of coming off coming up with something special mm-hmm. yeah well, I, was, I was definitely a lot more romantic than the step-by-step process and <laughs> okay. yeah I definitely appreciate um the album it's it's great and we can see all the hard work that was put into it um so you worked with a, a ton of different musicians on the album, as you talked about. Uh, how, how did this come about? Were these like people that you knew that you called up, or? Yeah, I mean, really, they're just. I mean, it's, it seems like a lot, but they're, they're basically people that I went to school with in, in Richmond, or people that, um, sort of are, a, around that community. You know, there's just a lot of musicians. I don't, I don't know why. I, it's, I mean, part it's, a lot of the reasons because there's a great music school there. Um, and I think the way the music industry has kind of worked and crumbled, there's less outlets for those people. So if you have a great music school that's not in an industry town, there's nowhere to go. I mean, it used to be that there's a lot of VCU students that are sort of out there in the world doing very cool things that are older, that are a couple of generations older than me. Um, and <coughs> But there sort of has come a point where those jobs don't exist anymore. Like they're just not there, um, and so there's just sort of a blockage of the pipe a little bit outside of the city. So, so you, know, you have a lot of people that are staying there and trying to make a living there that are really, really talented, and um, <clears throat> and you know it's probably similar to here. I mean, there's a really great creative community. It's the sort of practical things like cost of living and stuff like that is a lot lower than other cities, and you know these are just people that I spent ten years sort of not organize, not organizing them, but organizing music in the community. And so I've come across a lot of these people, you know, the mm-hmm. horn players are all sort of centered around the fight, the big bull thing, the string players. 
I've kind of developed more of a relationship with them in the past few years from from the space bomb stuff. And then the choir ladies or, or girls that I, I went to school with, you know. So it seems like it seems big and it is big, but it's more more of those people are friends and, and acquaintances and actually people I see around town than it might seem, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it almost seems much more meaningful that it is just kind of this collaborative group of friends and you didn't go out and like hire a string performer to like perform on the record it's just people that you know in the community coming together for this yeah um i mean it it, you know i think i think there's a it's dangerous to assign value to something for non-musical reasons uh because i think that 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 sort of falls short a lot of the time so like um, that happens in the in the music industry a lot when we're talking about records we talk about things that that aren't that aren't musical and they're cool and it's a cool story and that lasts for a little bit but what makes good music last the music that you listen to 10 years from now 20 mm-hmm. years from now will be music that uh, is great music not mm-hmm. because of the story behind it so although space bomb is a, is a great story and I, and I love the fact that it's a community of friends making music together I think that that story only is special if we're actually making great music together mm-hmm. because the the story lasts for a second people hear the story they're like oh that's cool it's a bunch of people in richmond making music with this sort of old model it's really cool it's you know a lot of great community energy and, and that's true and i believe in that a lot but what makes that last and what makes things really special is when that happens in the context of making great art and that's sort of what I'm after and what the people that work at Space Bomb and who work on my records and who I work with, that's what we're all after. And the the fact that we're all friends and that we all go back a long way is sort of, uh, it's the foundation to that, but it's also the extra part of that, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, we're very, we're only, we're working with people cause they're great musicians, not, because they're our friends, they also happen to be our friends. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And and so that <laughs> and you know if you're a great friend and you don't play the part quite as well, then you know, you get the boot. So yeah. you know, it's like that's part of the special nature of it is that you know, it's it is both and uh us having a relationship with the community and also um trying to make great music because I think if you sort of focus on either one of those actually too much um, it sort of gets gets out of balance because there is well, like you said I mean there is such a uniqueness and a spirit that kind of comes through the microphone when there's 10 people in the room that know each other and are having a good time because they love each other and have spent a long time playing music with each other mm-hmm. you can't um, you can't replicate that and that is something that comes across musically but if they play their parts, you know, a plus, then it's even better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I think you're lucky in that <laughs> aspect that, um, it's not only a community coming together to make music. It's a community of great musicians yeah. coming together to make great music. Yeah, and together. I, I think that's what makes it really, that's what makes it really special. Um, uh, yeah, that, that is the thing that I think is unique about Richmond right now is, is that is the case. And that's not, that's not always the case. You can get you can get good friends to get together and make music almost anywhere in the country. Like that's a thing that happens. It's not particularly rare. But
but getting a lot of people together that that have unique skill sets it's it's special it's really special it's something i don't i don't take for granted and I, um, every time we do a session it's kind of like a revelation a little bit it's a mm-hmm. special time all right um well this this is a question that we ask like a lot of the bands come in so i'm curious to hear your answer to it um so if your sound was a room the matthew white sound uh what would the room look like what would be in the room It'd be like uh be like uh some Salvador Dali paintings on the wall and some sort of simple leather couches and uh nice flower arrangements sort of around with uh nice lots of lighting but not bright lighting, lamp lighting. Not overhead lighting. Right. I, I can see that. I, I can see listening to the record in that atmosphere. Um, so I want to talk for a second about your EP. Um, was this something that was kind of like left over from the big inner sessions, or was this a no. whole new project? It was totally new. Um, it was just, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts of it, and I, I, I don't... Uh, I try not to shy away from talking about this because it's totally true and it doesn't do any good to hide it, is that Domino re-released the record in the States mm-hmm. in October. And when a record label does that, they often will ask for bonus material to sort of get it back in stores or sort of get it on writers' plates again or get into radio again. Um, and so, you know, Domino sort of, did that they came to me and they said hey what do you have that's extra from beginner or outtakes or whatever you know you put mm-hmm. together like a deluxe kind of thing we see that all the time um and i well beginner didn't have anything extra and i said well i'd love to record some new stuff because beginner was recorded in 2011 early 2011 almost 2010 very early 2011 and came out late 2012 by this time it was 2013 and I hadn't really, I'd been touring and stuff, playing music all the time, but I hadn't had an opportunity to get back into the studio um, for almost two years, you know? So for mm-hmm. me, it was like great. If you guys, sort of a great symbiotic relationship, if you guys need new material, I can do it. I can do it fast. I can do it well. Um, I'm ready to record something. And so they sort of gave the green light for that. And it's a brand new, Brand new songs, brand new thinking, you know, and it's sort of worked out really well because, I, you know, um, to me, I see it as standalone from beginner, although it's, you know, sometimes it's packaged within kind of things like that. But it's a separate five song EP of a, it's a different process, different sort of vibe. Um, and I think it's sort of a complete work. And I, I see it. I see it that way. It's almost actually as long as the record, which is funny. Um, but uh yeah, so we did it in August. Um, I've never done a record like this where I sort of like started rehearsing for it, immediately switched to recording, immediately switched to mixing, took a day to drive to New York, got it mastered, walked into the Domino offices, handed it off. It was completely without an off day from rehearsal to dropping the master wow. off. Um, uh, and, all, and it was really, really fast. I mean, we started in late July of this year finished it in the middle of august the day before my birthday and it came out in october so um i know not everyone's familiar with how record 
schedules are and how they turn around, but that's incredibly fast for mm-hmm. a record to come out to be finished in the middle of August and released in the middle of October. Um, so that was fun. That was really fun, and it, it makes it really fresh for me because sometimes a beginner, you know, it's 2000, almost 2014 now. I'm still talking about beginner, which is great, and I'm <laughs> very thankful for that. But I did record it. It'd be almost 2010, and I definitely wrote it in 2010. So mm-hmm. that stuff is it's old, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it literally is almost four years removed from me dealing with that. Right. And without her face, like I wrote that in May and recorded it in August, and it, that's not even six months ago, you know. And so it it's it's nice for me to hear it. It feels fresh, and it's fun for me to talk about too because it's so. Um, it you know it's much more relevant to me personally and i know you know listeners have just heard beginner a lot and so and that's great but for outer face it's uh it's just a very fresh thing for me i like talking about it right yeah because i mean it's closer to where you are as a person right now yeah that it's uh, more recent um so why don't we go ahead and play cut off that uh this is signature move uh do you want to talk about that a little bit um i don't know it's just kind of um you know, I had a really, really great time. I think the the thing about Outer Face is is that there's only uh, four sounds, and I, I don't I didn't really go into it being really super conceptual like that, but the I just wanted to work with specific people. I wanted to work with Pinson playing percussion. There's no drum set on the record; he just plays percussion. Um, Cameron playing bass; he's a killer bass player, and and I wanted Trey to have the opportunity to write just kind of insane string arrangements, which this is a great example of, and I wanted to write choir arrangements because i'd seen phil do it and had some opportunities to do it this year but not recorded um and then i wanted so those are the only things that are on the record it's just percussion bass strings and choir um there's no guitar there's no piano there's no synthesizers there's no drum set there's no anything like that and then there is some sort of like tape manipulation stuff so there's some some really cool stuff on this track in the second verse where it sounds like the girls are saying like great some crazy stuff but what that is is like a bunch of nonsense words like recorded backwards and it came out really really nice i think i, I really liked it and so there's sort of like tape manipulation and sort of like dub like effects almost hip-hop in in a certain way um so that's kind of is the palette that the ep is um and the song i think is probably the clearest example um one funny story i've actually never told is that this that the bridge on the song the words are Joe Frazier, sharp as a razor, and then it kind of goes on from there. But I was watching, Joe Frazier is a famous boxer. He's most famous for fighting Muhammad Ali three times in the 70s. And uh, he was the first person to beat Muhammad Ali. And he lost the next two. But he, he uh, he's from Philadelphia, and I was watching this documentary on him. And they, they're just kind of talking about whatever. But then they go to his voicemail, and his voicemail is, Hey, this is Joe Frazier, sharp as a razor. And I remember hearing it on the documentary and being like, oh, that is a killer rhyme. And so I wrote it down. That was a couple of years ago. And then when I was going back to writing the song, it sort of ended up fitting with some of the other stuff. So that's kind of a cool, I don't know, cool story how sometimes lyrics come in the in funny places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see the process behind it and where everything is pulled yeah. from to make something new. Um, so here it is, signature move off Outer Face EP. Baby, when you walk in a room like that, it's hard for me to land on my feet a day and night. 
KNC Raleigh, uh, this is DJ DiGiorno, and uh, that song was Signature Removed by Matthew E. White off his new EP, Outer Face EP, 
And I used to hear talking to me now um, before show tonight with Howard Ivan, or Ivan Howards of the Rosebuds, uh, King's Barcade. And uh, so we just talked about, you just released Outer Face EP. Um, you finished a huge tour, basically, kind of nonstop. You said 120 shows in the past year. Yep. Um, so what, what's kind of your future? I mean, I know you have one more night tomorrow night um, in Richmond, yeah. kind of hometown show. Mm -hmm. um, so w what's going to happen uh, come, going forward into 2014? Uh, well, going to get home try to rest a little bit um and then really just get on making a new record you know i think that's sort of the long and short of it is like you have this really great opportunity to make something special with someone um supporting it and and, and helping you make it and and uh that's a, that's a chance that you know every musician kind of wishes for so much and and it's so few people get the opportunity to just make something that they want to make um, how they want to make it and are close to how they want to make it. And, and so I'll have an opportunity to do that. And it's something I don't take lightly at all. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And, you know, so that's what that's what 2014 will be, will be mm -hmm. me making another record and, and trying to do give it. 200% and make something really, really, really special, not only for me and for my my musical goals, but, but, but for people that, everyone who doesn't get a chance to do that, you know, and really, I guess, doing my best to take advantage of a opportunity that I've really been blessed with, mm -hmm. truth, truthfully. Yeah. Um. So um, after being on the road for a while, do you have like a lot of ideas bouncing around in your head that you're kind of excited to get back and try out? Or? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's very, very important for, for artists to sort of stay ahead of their record cycle because just to be transparent about it, like once you release a record and it does well, you don't have, um, an infinite amount of time to release your second record, uh, unless it, you know, there's sort of a, you sort of enter into the, the music business in a very real way and um and that's uh some of that's a, a, can be a little bit of a bummer truthfully but it, it also that's what's su supplying you with the opportunities to travel with opportunities to make records and for for people to buy your records and stuff like that so it's not something i'm upset about by, <laughs> by any means but you know i think it can be very difficult sometimes um i think that's why historically uh people's second records are often not so great because mm -hmm. you know you've had your whole you know the saying is you have had your whole life to make your first record and you have six months to make your second record right which is pretty accurate actually um and 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 just uh you know uh that i think it's important for me to sort of stay ahead of the curve um artistically and, and idea idea wise in terms of what i want to do Woody Allen talks about this a lot when he's talking about his movies is that before his movie comes out, he's already started working on his next movie. And I sort of one, so he's not sort of affected by critics and stuff like that, which is very cool and wise, but also just to like get ahead of the curve and stay ahead of the curve because eventually, you know, you don't, the worst thing for an artist is for you to be in a position where someone says, all right, time to make a record. And then you don't know what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, that's sort of, uh, recipe for making a bad record and i think we you see it all the time and that's why you see like you know you it's like these great artists that you respect and all of a sudden there's like this 
Bobo record that they made or something. And it's yeah. like, how did that happen? It's like, I know how it happens. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like you sort of took some time off and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you got to make a record, man. It's like, oh, heck on it. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to make. So for me, I've spent, I spent a lot, a lot, a ton of time sort of brainstorming. I have a massive Google document that's just sort of ideas, production ideas, song, sorry, song ideas, um, uh, sort of timeline ideas, administration ideas. You know, making a record is a lot of all of that. It's, it's knowing how you're going to produce it, know what songs you're going to do, know what your aesthetic goals are, know how you're going to organize all that, especially when you're talking about organizing 30, 40 people into re- different recording sessions over a long period of time. There's a lot of like, you know, just practical things like that that you mm-hmm. have to do. So um, I've been probably working on that for a year, year and a half, you know, of like, I had that document going before we went on tour um, of what the next record was going to be be like. And, um, you know, I don't, there's only so much you can plan and I don't want to suck the life out of a recording session by having every minute planned. But I do, there is a certain amount that you can sort of get down the road and planning for a record. And the farther you can get down that road, the more you can use the time that you do have once that time comes for getting to like the magic stuff that is sort of uh, what makes records really shine, you know? So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I have a pretty good idea about what I want to do and how I want to do it, um, and what it'll sound, you know, kind of what it'll sound like and been writing a little bit here and there, but, you know, I try not to finish things on the road because it's, it's a bad place to finish. I think it's a good place to think, very good place to think. Yeah. Yeah. And I can definitely see what you're saying by staying ahead of that curve. You kind of like allow yourself the time to be able to take the time that yeah. you need and not feel as much pressure to yeah. get that next record done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to seeing what, what the future holds yeah. uh, for you and the, and the rest of the space bomb. Um, so thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thanks for definitely having me. looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, yeah. King's Barcade with Ivan Howard of the Rosebuds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks again. All right, thank all right, you. and we're gonna end it off here uh, with another song off a of big inner. This one is "Will You Love Me." Oh, baby, will you love me? Child, will you hold me? Or will you lay beside me at least the most of the night? The baby, you're magnificent, child.
morning. 